Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to TGMR, the Galleries at Moore Radio, a public art talk radio station broadcasting from the Moore College of Art and Design. Listen live, search the archive of past broadcasts, or find out how you can get on the air at thegalleriesatmoore.org. Welcome, everyone, to another installment of Art Blog Radio. Uh, it's been a while, but I'm happy to be back, and today we are going to be talking with artists, activist, curator, producer, Malachi Lilly, Maggie Lilly. Um, say hello. Hello, everyone. Uh, so I'm so excited to speak with them because they've really got their hands in a lot of different pots and involved <laughs> in a lot of different projects here in Philly. Um, most recently, and actually currently, uh, you're sort of involved and represented in a show uh, that's put on by the Philly Arts Collective, uh, featuring work by Marcus Branch. Correct. Called Visibility. Uh, so can you talk to us a little bit about the show, your involvement in it, and then also sort of what the Philly Arts Collective is and how you fit in there? Sure. I have been blessed enough to be featured in Marcus Branch's collection. I helped produce the event where we organized over, I think it was over like 120 people, maybe maybe even more than that, who came and we photographed them. We just welcomed them, come as you are. Um, and Marcus spent the whole day photographing these people. And I was kind of this like eight-armed hyper-organized entity making sure that all ran smoothly um, and went out off without a sitch and it was really an incredible incredible day and then the actual event was highlighting many of those photos and ultimately highlighting the people um, the thing that really struck me the most was the gratitude that Marcus Branch held he offered this as a gift to all the people who were involved with this project. This was a thank you. This was not about him or furthering his career. This was a, a true moment of gratitude and giving back so that people could feel visible and celebrated in their uniqueness and their identity. So you mentioned um, visibility. Is there a particular demographic or like who are the people who are featured in the show? Um, it ranges from lots of different backgrounds, from ethnic backgrounds, religious backgrounds, gender, queer identities. It was primarily people between the ages of probably 16 and maybe 35. Um, but it was because I think a lot of the poll was through social media and the people that follow. But it was entirely an open call. All you had to do was send in a headshot of yourself, a photo of yourself and you were accepted no one was turned away and what is philly arts collective are you involved with it i'm not involved with philly arts collective as much i this was actually my first time in the space it's definitely a place that i want to get involved more and the way that i observe the people working in that space you can truly see that they care about the art and they care about connecting people so it made me want to connect with them more I mean, on the subject of connecting people, I feel like that's kind of how you've become most visible in Philly <laughs> is as a connector of people, as a curator who's putting on all these different events. Um, what made you gravitate towards that kind of work and how long have you been doing it for? 
oh, I think it's entirely compulsion. <laughs> um, I think I must connect people because it's who I am. Um, and th I've undergone a lot of transformation over the past year and learned a lot about myself and a lot about um, kind of the universe and this world and how it functions. And I've realized more and more the, the importance of collectivity in the sense that it represents our collective consciousness, that my manifestation in this reality, my life um, produces and represents collectivity in my curation, in my art practice, in the way that I write, um, because it is just an echo of the greater collectivity of all of us. Can you describe some of the curatorial projects you've um, been involved with recently? Sure. I just did a project called Godlike, spelled G-A-U-D, like, um, and it was a collaboration with two fashion designers, um, Godmother and the likes of you, and about 14 other queer artists from around the city. What it was first was we just got together and essentially played dress up. We styled each other. We brought things from home and it was just a, a day of pure joy and nothing more than that. And then when the results just truly embodied that joy, we knew that we had to share it. And I was able to collaborate with Anea from the Indie Hall space, which is a co-working space in Old City. And they were super open and welcoming to have us come in the space and just <laughs> spread our color all over their walls there was yarn there was fabric there was photographs there was my cut paper pieces just a menagerie of images um, that they allowed in this space and we were really grateful and that show will be closing at the end of this month at the end of September so you could still catch it um, during work hours Monday through Friday uh, I've oh, yeah no, keep going. No, it's okay. <laughs> I didn't yeah. it was still up. I, I have to yeah, it. yeah, it's still up. Um, we had a performance day, and that was um, during first Friday in September, and that was really awesome. And performance is a huge part of my events. I don't really like to separate performance and visual art. I like to value them both. Um, that's why I. That's one of the reasons that I do OO our Black Arts Festival the way that I do. OO stands for Othered Others, which is a term that I have coined and Andrew Purvis or Vitual Raw and I have coined together, which represents the black artist who feels further marginalized, further persecuted, further unwelcomed within the black community, the black arts community, the art community at large. So this could be black queer art. This could be about non-neurotypicality, disability, just strange and unusual. Like this is really a show that is kind of bringing forth a curation of people who maybe feeling like not even the underbelly but like the ground in which the underbelly drags on and I want to raise them up and give them space to perform and give them space to create and feel joy and be themselves so we'll have another OO our Black Arts Festival coming up in 2019 dates to be announced but I do think um, I really want to go out with a bang because this will be the last one for a little while because I feel um, the energy is really telling me I need to turn turn inward on my personal work. Hmm. So this will be, is it the second or third year? Uh, this will be the fifth year. Oh wow. Yeah, this will be the fifth year. It's taken on several different forms because first um, it was kind of rooted at my university, um, University of the Arts, and 
and I was the president of African Diaspora Collective. So as a collective um, under my leadership, we kind of brought it together. And then when I was graduating, I asked the group, you know, is this something that you would all want to continue? And they were like, no, it's your thing. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. Because um, I all the money that we raised previously while I was in school went entirely back to ADC because I wanted them to have a nice nest egg when I left because I knew when I was there, my intention, um, my attention and intention was to bring notoriety and just like a stronghold to the club so that people would take us seriously as a voice and a representative of the minorities within the university and in Philadelphia as a whole. We really um, worked with several different groups throughout the area and then when I graduated um, I knew I had to morph it and I had to take on a different version and that's when it turned from the Black Arts Festival to our Black Arts Festival to OO um, and I kind of had to start from scratch with the money because I had like no money to start with and people were so generous in giving and the artists were so generous in giving of their energy and I feel that people really received the energy back tenfold in that night and I really hope to continue to give and support and hopefully um, in a couple years I can get like a, a nice grant so I can really like pay people um, that's ideal um, but for now I, I see it as an exchange of energy right now and I really hope um, that this 2019 one will just be absolute black magic again yeah if people are interested in contributing to or supporting the 2019 OO festival how can they donate? How can they get in touch with you? Sure. Any black artists who want to be a part of it, no matter what your medium is, you can email me at Hawk Moth Events. Hawk is in the bird. Moth is in the insect. Events at gmail.com. And you can find that through my Instagram, which is Hawk Moth Events. Um, and just send me a description of yourself and some art. The way that I'm calling for artists is going to be a lot more organic. I'm going to be kind of searching for artists rather than doing a call for artists so search me out um, we're I'm trying to let this be more organic in the way that we support each other and find each other and I think that will make for a more authentic show um, and for anyone who wants to support monetarily or volunteer please email that same email um, and I can connect you with ways that you can support financially or volunteering or being a vendor etc and again that's hawkmothevents at gmail.com um, with regards to godlike you spoke about how it started as a kind of experiment with dress up um, and one thing that I've noticed just from both observing you on Instagram and also just in real life day to day, uh, I get the impression that um, fashion, costuming, dress is a really important mode of self-expression for you. Um, and I wondered if you could just talk a little bit about that and sort of the role that that plays in your overall creative life. Um, well, I am a Virgo Libra cusp. <laughs> My birthday just passed, September 21st. Happy and birthday. thank you. And that is the cusp of beauty and aesthetics. And I feel like that is super important to me. Like, again, it is compulsory. Um, I cannot truly be happy in a space or in myself if I don't feel like I'm meeting my aesthetic goals um, and what I deem as beautiful. Um, and I seek 
to not only represent that as surface, as fashion, but as shape-shifting. That's what my clothing means to me, and that's what, like, makeup or accessories or prosthetics, etc., or the... Um, the edits that I do through Photoshop. It's not just about beauty. It's not just about like something that catches your eyes for two seconds on Instagram. You give a heart and swipe away. Like I'm hoping to represent other options than just the standard humanoid experience. I want to show that we are more than these forms, that these forms are holy and that they can take any shape that we want them to. And I've seen my body literally physically change on its own to meet me and to meet my desires um, for where I want to go. Um, my, I felt my body responding to me to become more masculine. Um, I don't know what the biological or <laughs> like doctoral explanation for that is, but I see it as a way that I have been able to shape myself and I'm continuing to be able to shape myself and then also identify with creatures that are not human, not even animal, fae creatures, etheric bodied creatures, creatures that we want to just put in fairy tales or books you know the imagination is just a gateway to another reality so I feel I am more and more tapping into my alters my other versions of myself and I try to represent them in this form Excellent. Um, you've spoken already about being the former president of the ADC uh, the Aphrodisport Collective at UArts um, I first became aware of you, I think it was 2016, and I happened to attend, like, the freshman orientation for <laughs> UU Arts students, um, and you, I think, read a, a few poems, um, for the assembly, um, more recently, I've seen you speak out in front of City Hall about, um, sort of non-binary, gender non-conforming issues, um, so I feel like so often when I do see you, um, you are not only in a leadership position, but also kind of on the mic, you know, and really representing for a cause that you feel strongly about or representing your own work in some way. Um, and so I, I wanted to just sort of ask you a little bit about um, your role as a leader is leadership something that comes easily to you? Um, have you experienced any drawbacks? How does it feel to sort of be a figurehead, to be a mouthpiece? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, leadership is a very key part of my existence as well. Um, something that I've always done from a really young age, and I feel like that is that is how you know it's like truly yourself and truly your essence is if you've been doing it since childhood. Um, and I have, and my style of leadership is really to be a warm and embodying presence and available presence and have available emotional energy and I feel really blessed to have a lot of available emotional energy for other people um, I recognize that 
this is this is almost a rare trait um and so i want to be sure that i'm using it to give to others um you know i i do i am learning more to support myself and to give to myself and to fortify myself but it's ultimately only so that i can give my energy to others and not just be um not be a figurehead but be on the ground level and approachable um, that anyone can come and talk to me and engage with me I know that when I started at UArts, I was coming from um, middle of nowhere, PA. I'm originally from Philly, but for a while we lived um, in the middle of nowhere. Um, and I felt very isolated and very unwelcomed as one of the few minority people in that area, not to mention um, budding queer body, not to mention non-binary body. Um, so when I came to UArts and I saw the ADC, African Diaspora Collective Table, I essentially sprinted to it. And <laughs> I, I think I might as well threw myself upon uh, Joy McNeil's lap, who was the president at the time. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, of course you can be a part of it. <laughs> and I very quickly um, made myself available to have a leadership position. And I started out curating events because that's obviously one of my passions. And then when the president's graduated, I became became the president. Um, so just really being a part of minority communities, the black community, underserved communities, and presenting joy, love, and also other options, because I feel a lot, especially within the black community, as a means of survival, we feel that we have to fit these specific roles and these roles I believe are toxic and they often have to do with um, toxic gender binary with masculinity and femininity and it's supposed to look this way and it's supposed to look that way and there tends to be no room for nuance that we have to fit these stereotypes we have to fit these roles so I want to provide in my weird strange queer amorphicness I hope to provide examples and other options for uh, other black and minority people to just be authentically themselves whatever that means. Um, and I was fortunate enough to speak at the Trans Wellness Conference um, in the beginning at the flag raising ceremony. Um, and I felt that I had a message to bring to people about helping them to recognize their divinity and their holy presence and that they are gods as they are choosing to sculpt and change their bodies and change themselves to match who they are who they truly are and that is a sacred journey that they chose for themselves um, and that I love them and I'm really proud of them so I feel very fortunate to be given platforms and to have a gift that I am not afraid to stand up and speak in public. And so that when I'm there, I want to be sure that I'm using that gift to spread love. You mentioned um, that this is probably going to be the last year, at least for a while, for the our arts, um, our Black Arts Festival, because you are feeling like there needs to be a shift towards your own personal work. Mm -hmm. um, the work that of yours that I'm most familiar with is the cut paper illustrations that you've been making. Um, and I wondered if you could just talk a little bit about, about your solo practice, particularly the cut paper, but also anything else that people might not be as aware of. Yeah, um, the cut paper work, I actually also consider a public work 
right now because I'm a freelance illustrator. So I get commissions and I often use cut paper, drawing or collage something in there to create the images. And so I've been fortunate enough recently to have a nice little stream of commissions. Um, But the work that I feel like I need to be doing is actually even further more private than that. And it's my poetry. Um, And that's what I went to school for. I was a a creative writing major, poetry concentration. I ended up double majoring in illustration. And I think because I wasn't I wasn't a real double major. I felt I really had to prove myself within illustration. I was the first um, non-illustration major to be invited to be a part of the Eli, which is the thesis show, um, and to be a part of that graduating class. Um, And so I felt like I had to really pedal to the metal because um, poetry kind of came naturally, but illustration I had to work a bit more. So I gave it so much energy and really through my senior year and graduating I feel like my illustration skills have really have really blossomed um but in in that process I have neglected my poetry because my standards for myself have been crippling um and the job that I have put on myself of what my poetry is supposed to do has been so extremely daunting it has stopped me before I started um and I have had a lot of spiritual journeys recently where I've been told that I have these four books that I need to write and these four books will be based in the elements in earth, air, fire, water. Um, And I know that there are messages that I'm supposed to incorporate that it will be poetry, but also fiction, but also nonfiction. Um, And it's going to require a lot of emotional energy, but really focus, which is something that I struggle with because I'm a multitasker and it's how I've been able to do all the things I've been able to do um, is I can spread myself, but I need to bring in all the things that I've spread and focus on this one task, which is extremely difficult for me. So, um, you know, they've told me that I'm supposed to go inward. Um, and I'm like, okay, but like one more festival, (laughs) I'm not just going to not do one more. (laughs) I got to go out with the bank. So people know, people know what's what. Um, and they're like, fine, (laughs) compromise. Um, when you got to compromise with the ancestors, with the Orishas, with the gods, with the energies, with whatever you want to call them, sometimes compromises in order with yourself really, uh, also. Um, and so I know that this writing is going to be extremely important. I mean, it's going to touch on themes that were a part of my thesis, which was called Mayflies, which was about, um, navigating through childhood sexual trauma, through Jungian psychology, active imagination, fairy tale analysis, and biology. Um, So it's going to take those similar themes, but um, my perspective is so different. I tried to look back at those old works and I realized I didn't even believe in the concept of victim anymore. And in those poems, I had victimized my child self and that was really unfair to my child self. Um, because I recognize what has happened to me as important lessons that I have chosen, um, to go through to make myself who I am. Um, and that I don't, 
have to be burdened or traumatized or upset by that. I can recognize it for what it is and move forward. And that in and of itself is a journey. Um, so really, I want these books to be filled with wisdom and understanding. But I hope that it brings um, connection to the force, to collective consciousness, but really to ourselves, to self-love, because we are on our own creators. You've mentioned a few times... Um both in your description of these books um, and in your earlier discussion about um, sort of fashioning and prosthetics and these sorts of things, um, that you've been attracted through multiple avenues to these uh, figures that are sort of non-human. You know, you've been interested in um, whether it's insects or fairies. Um, and I think you've already sort of started to, un- to unravel that in a couple spots. Um, but I just, I'm, I'm so curious about that because I think it's really <laughs> unique. And so I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about um, sort of the role of fantasy, the role of the non-human in your work. Again, you have to look at childhood to find, I believe, your authentic self. Um, and I feel like since day one, the etheric body creatures or fairy, fae, um, whatever you want to call them, have been calling to me and I've been interacting with them and honestly obsessed with them since I was a child um you know we lived in Germantown in Mount Airy and I remember embarrassing my poor mother as I walked through the streets screaming I do believe in fairies I do I do and she's like oh honey you you gotta be quiet and I was like no mom do you want to kill the fairies (laughs) and um, my understanding of them is a bit more nuanced now and maybe not so entirely um children's fiction based um but I see fairy tales and children's fiction and folklore and folk tales from around the globe to be um, avenues for understanding ourselves, but also other uh, creatures and how they how they operate and how they work. I mean, the, the collective consciousness is amazing and it just boggles my mind how like the concept of a mermaid can exist in ancient Thailand and also ancient Mexico, these two cultures that did not touch at all, or how these winged beings are in almost every culture, whether, you know, you could have bird wings type beings, six wings, seraphim, fairies, like the, we have a collective obsession. And I don't, and it doesn't come from nowhere. Um, there is something that is driving us to these other forms. I mean, I, I my joke is that we've been furries since the dawn of time. And like the god Ra, he's this hunky man with a falcon head. <laughs> like, but really, we have been merging ourselves with animal essence and with creature essence since we we're in touch with our imagination. We have come from animals. We have evolved. That is not an accident. Um, And similarly, I believe that etheric body creatures or creatures that do not have a corporal physical form like we do are experiencing a similar parallel experiential evolution. So you have examples in folklore of 
demon creature fairies that are very animalistic. Um, you have some that are very humanoid that have systems of monarchies, you know, king of the fairies, queen of the fairies, um, also systems of judgment and even versions of racism of like fairies that only take blonde girls like that's <laughs> racist um, that's all prejudice fairies like I I think you know those things are reminiscent of the cultures that they belong to but I think there is also a connection um, to that I believe the way that etheric some etheric body creatures work I think they sometimes value different humanoids over others and in on the opposite front there are some etheric body creatures in a positive way value like only want to connect to people of african descent only want to connect with people who are polynesian etc because those are the ancestry that people come to in the way that they have appeared um and there are also devas and higher consciousness entities that are extremely wise and have transcended. And I think that is one of the ultimate forms and versions of our humanoid consciousness that slowly but surely, um, slowly is kind of a tentative word to use because like time is an illusion. But like in our consciousness, we are thinking that it's slow, this experiential evolution to get us to evolve. But I, I do see the trajectory and I do see us um, evolving and becoming more awake to who we are. As horrible as things seem, sometimes I you know we it's just us denying the fact that we are collective and we just get these little glimpses of things that we hold on to and we morph it to ourselves and make it selfish like capitalism you know you create your own reality anyone can pull them up themselves up by their bootstraps but what you're missing is the support and the love and the fact that we are all one and if that person is suffering I don't want them to suffer because I am suffering so I'm going to give and support that person and that's what a lot of different facets of humanity are missing is the love um, so, and we're going to learn that more and more I have entire faith in that it's just a whole journey <laughs> so along those lines um, either with your curatorial work um, or with the sort of writing and visual arts work that you're doing, um, it seems like a lot of it is about either like emphasizing community or the collectivity or recreating worlds um, or even just showing people the possibility of certain worlds, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I guess I'm just wondering, um, as like kind of a final, very open-ended question, uh, what your vision is for what you'd like your work to achieve? Like, what is this? Um, yeah, what, what's your objective? That's so funny um, that you asked me that because my um, spiritual teacher, I guess I will call her, basically asked me to do the same thing this week, <laughs> is to like um, write down my goals and expectations for myself. Um, and also my fears um, because both are energy and I've been giving a lot of energy to fear and a lot of energy um, to failure and fear of money and you know of of losing myself but I don't have to give energy to those things I can give energy 
to life, to love and to my practice and to my love for my practice. I don't have to fear my practice. I can give it love. And I want this, these books to be pure in the sense that they just come forth as a channel straight from the collective, straight from the force, straight from God to me, through me, and onto the page and into the visual art that I create accompanying the written word. Um, I want to be a channel and if I put this work into the world, no matter what the response is, I will know that I have created something pure, that I have created something as a direct translation of the collective, that like it may not be as catchy or as hashtagable or as trendy or as easily digestible, but it will be true and it will be honest and it will be my truth. And that's what I hope. Um, and I guess my kind of silly hopes within that is that I hope I'll be able to channel some entities, some etheric bodies to be a part of this, a collaborative work, if you will, <laughs> with um, other entities. But the way that I write is inherently collaborative because I read and I read and I read and I gather language and collage is a huge part of my poetry because I know it is not just me. I w it's, it's never just you who is writing. So I try to really embody that by incorporating collage in my work. So I hope that when someone picks up this book, however whatever form it may take they will see themselves in it too um, and be able to be like I wrote this as well um, because they did because they're me and I'm them thank you so much um, is there anything else coming up that you'd like to like promote or let people know about that we haven't touched on already or we can even reiterate if there's like something <laughs> that are happening, you know, sort of by the end of this month? Or? Yeah, I mean, um, my next big project is OO, our Black Arts Festival, which will be coming up in 2019. I'm aiming it for either to be spring 2019 or early fall 2019. Either way, I want it to be in a transitional season. Um, and, you know, event space to be determined, but it will all get figured out very soon. But if you are a black artist and you want to be a part of this, if you are someone who wants to monetarily support, if you are someone who wants to volunteer or see how you can get involved, like, please contact me. Um, I have two Instagrams. I have the Holy Hawk Moth, the Holy Hawk Moth and Hawk Moth Events, Hawk Moth Events. So you can reach me at hawkmothevents at gmail.com. You can send me a direct message on either of those Instagrams and I'll probably, you know, kind of like by way direct you to my email, but I will be happy to connect with you. I'm always happy to connect with others. Um, and even if like it's not this version of the show you're a part of, I'm always looking to connect um, artists to other curators and other collaborators because there's so much that we can do together and to support both of your realities to meet each other. I love doing that. That brings me such joy. So please contact me. Don't hesitate. I'm not scary. Um, <laughs> I'm a big goob. Um, so please, please, please contact me. I love you. Well, thank you so much, Malachi. For thank you. Us today.
Um, this has been another installment of our blog radio. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, goodbye.